You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. All right, let's, let's go. The title of my message is Staying Grounded. And um, I tell you, it's, uh, yeah, there, there's been so many changes um, over the years in our over the years in our culture and a huge change in 2020. And uh, it's really opened our eyes to uh, truly see that we've been in a spiritual battle. And um, quite frankly, I think some have ignored the spiritual battle uh, that's, uh, and some even didn't even think it really existed uh, or didn't want to admit that it existed until it spilled out into the natural. You know, but we're really seeing now wickedness like we've never seen it before. And the thing about it, this really should excite us. We, we, we really, as the church, should be excited about the awakening that's coming to the body of Christ. And, um, and so uh, it's in our face now and it's really having to make us dig. And, and I'm amazed at even my own self at how I have quoted scripture over the years and it's be a little bit off because of somebody quoted it in the church and then I just quoted it and quoted it, quoted it. Like Hosea uh, chapter four, verse six, it says, my people, and I've always quoted is my people die for lack of knowledge, right? But it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so I went and I began to look that up and it's amazing the difference. When you say my people perish for lack of knowledge or my people die for lack of knowledge, you kind of put up, that's finite, that's the end, that's, that's kind of, but I looked the word destroy up and it means to be dumb and silent. In the Hebrew name, it means to be dumb and silent. And I'm telling you, the church has been dumb and silent for a while. It means dumb and silent. It means to fail. It means to cut down. It means to cut off. It means to be undone. There's been a lot of undone stuff in the church. Come on, are y'all hearing me? See, when you say die, it's like, oh, it's final. But see, it's not final. It's an ongoing decaying. It's an ongoing bankruptcy. It's an, come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? to be brought silent. And it used to always kind of aggravate me when, when, people, when, when people would come to their door, knock on the door, Jehovah's Witness or Mormons come knock on the door, you know, Christians just slam the door in their face. And mainly it's because we didn't know the word. We couldn't even sit down on a level playing field because we didn't even know the word. All we knew is say a prayer, sit down, and wait to go to heaven. 
That's all we knew. We didn't have, we didn't know how to have an intelligent conversation with them. Come on. And so it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And in Isaiah, it says, my people are carried into exile for lack of knowledge. Carried into exile. In other words, they were carried out of the promises of God because they didn't know. They didn't know the promises of God and they became undone, come on, without the covering of the Most High God. So we find ourselves having to count the cost to be able to stay grounded, to be disciples of Jesus in the day in which we live. Luke 14, 28. We read this last week. We've been talking about making disciples. Luke 14, 28. It says, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. And I looked that word up, count, to, it's calculate. The word calculate, it's the idea, see they used to use pebbles for like a calculator. They didn't have calculators, they didn't have enough fingers and toes, so they'd use pebbles and the idea is that they're worn down. They're worn down because you've been sitting there calculating to make very sure all your numbers are going to come out right. The ideal is to be worn smooth by handling it, to compute, to determine by counting, by mathematical process. See, there's a process coming to when you start calculating. You've got to calculate the process Practical judgment, to have practical judgment, to design or adapt for a purpose. What is the purpose of the tower? What am I going to need to have in it? What am I going to need to put around it? What am I going to need to set it on? What am I going to need the material list? What am I, come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? How much is that going to cost? I mean, there's a lots of things that goes in to building a tower. Now, Jesus is equating this to our lives. Because we are a towering and shining example in the midst of darkness. Come on. And we need to calculate that cost. We need to calculate what it's going to cost us with our hands chained to our feet in the bottom of the prison to still say hallelujah. Have you calculated that cost in? Come on. See, and the cost is this. The cost is what's going to be consumed during the building. Come on. Are you willing to go there? Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to face the obstacles? Are you willing to have the rain out days? Have you put those in there? Are you willing? Come on. 
See, the cost is what consumes. It's an ongoing expense that's going to be devouring, come on, the project. It's something that you, you'll have, you'll start out with this and then it's going to work down. And when you get, when it's done, devoured all of that, hopefully you've had enough and it's done. Have you calculated the consuming cost, the sacrifice of what it's going to take? We talked about the differences in, in being a little league and being an MLB. It's in being in little football and the NFL. There's a huge difference there. There's a lot of preparation, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of time, a lot of misunderstanding to go from little league to go to the major leagues. Come on. Amen. Have you calculated that cost? <clears throat> time away from your family, a time away. Come on. Listen, when we were in Washington, in the rotunda in Congress, there is a huge picture of Pocahontas kneeling down, getting baptized. And she went to the pastors in the day and she said, I want to be baptized into the Christian faith. You know what they told her? You go for one year and you study what it means to be baptized. One year. And what you see is a picture of a lady named Rebecca. Because when she studied for a year, she went back to the priest and said, Hey, I seen in here where uh, they, God would change people's name where Jesus changed Simon to Peter, changed Saul to Paul, changed their name to their, she said, I want a Christian name. And so her name from then on, she never was called Pocahontas again until Disney brung it up, but she was called Rebecca from then on. She counted the cost for an entire year of what it, and then she made that. Come on. See, there's something about when you calculate the cost. See, we're having to recalculate, you know, like the old GPS, recalculating. When we take a wrong turn. Huh? When we're going the wrong way, GPS says recalculating. Because what it's doing is it's trying to get you back on track. And so we find ourselves having to recalculate and reconsider. We find ourselves in that time so that what so that we can finish. Come on. So that we can finish. Because it says, this is what got me in all of this. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it began to ridicule him. 
So we've got the world looking at us and going, y'all been saying Jesus is coming back for thousands of years. Yeah, we have. But now we're having to recalculate this thing. We're having to reconsider. And let me tell you something. This is nothing new. The church has gone down this road before. I don't know. It looks like end times, but I'm telling you, it always looks like end times. It's been looking like end times. They've been talking about end times since Paul. And so there's some things that are undone. There's some things that aren't finished. Come on. Seeing the wrong calculation of the cost lead people to ridicule that there's a false teaching going on. Come on. See, the cost isn't the issue. The cost isn't the issue. What matters is that you count it. Hear me now. The cost is not the issue. You young people ought to like this. The cost ain't the issue. What matters is you count it because calculating the consuming outgoing expense that devours makes the impossible possible. Nothing is impossible with God. Have you calculated that nothing is impossible with God? Have you calculated that there's more of you than there is of them? Have you calculated that cost? Have you calculated the ideal that God never leaves you nor forsakes you? Have you counted that in? Have you counted in that there's more of you than there is of them? Have you counted in that uh, you could go on with Scripture? See, we've got to start calculating that in, that we're a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Have you counted that in? Have you counted in the fact that God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love and of sound mind? See, that's the key to staying grounded is knowing that in the midst when everything is going all awry, that you got a sound mind. Come on. See. Have you counted the cost? that God finishes what he started. I, I'm going to tell you right now, when we began to build this building and then we opened the doors and 2020 hit <laughs> when we opened the doors that wanted to shut the doors. But let me tell you something, not one time. Why? Because we counted the cost that God finishes what he starts Never even had a doubt. Never lost sleep. Come on. Have you counted the cost, the hardship, the heartaches, the misunderstanding, the loss, the shipwreck, the whys, the where are you gods, the betrayal, the broken bones, sickness, pandemics. See, it's all the battle of the enemy that tries to stop us from going forward to complete the purpose that God has called us to, that He has ordained for our lives. Those are all just battles. Come on. That the enemy tries to kill, steal, and destroy. He tries to stop us from going forward. 
He tries to get us into exile, right? He tries to get us to be undone. He tries to frustrate us so that we'll be undone. He tries to keep, come on. He tries and tries and tries. He'll bring up your past if he has to. That's when you have to count the cost that God has something in your future. See, we have to recalculate our way forward. The biggest devastation that the church got itself into is when it kicked out the two most powerfulest offices in the body of Christ. The apostle and the prophet. When the church kicked the apostle and the prophet out, the apostle brings correction and order. And the prophet tells us where we're headed. And so we ain't had any correction and no order. Come on. And we hadn't had nobody telling us this is what God's doing. Don't lose your mind. So we find ourselves having to recalculate. See, staying grounded with a deep-rooted faith in Jesus is, is exactly what people need to see right now. We shouldn't be falling apart. We should be excelling and multiplying in this time. See, people who are not affected by everything that's going on right now should be us. It should be us. See, these are times when we should, in all this mindless ground clutter, I'm telling you, see, we should be, we should be recalculating. Wait a minute. What, wait a second. What's God say? What are we doing here? What are we going? You know, I appreciate Mr. Gray. He's here. That It's so timely that he's here this morning. Because let me tell you something. This man right here, I want to honor him this morning. He, he gets me to thinking outside the box. I'm a, because our conversations, I, I, he'll, he'll be giving me ideas. And this is what's amazing. In his 80s, he's still casting vision. I've never seen anything like it. He's, it's just like Joshua and Caleb in their 80s going and taking the promised land. He's still going, give me my mountain. It, it encourages me, Mr. Gray, and I thank you. My daddy's the same way. My daddy's in his 80s, and they're still, they're not quitting. And I'll be talking to Mr. Gray, and he's pitching some ideals to me, and, and all of a sudden, and, and I think, and I'm thinking out loud on the phone with him, and, and in person, and, and I'm going, and, and I'm thinking of all the uh, obstacles that are being thrown up in our way, and I say, well, you know, the, I, I say, well, they're they're changing, they changed the rules on this, and he's like, who's they? <laughs> he's like, tell me who they is. And, 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 and then I, I said, well, the state. And he goes, well, who's the governor? And I said, well, Greg Abbott. And he goes, okay. And I mean, he's thinking already. I know he's thinking, well, we're gonna, we'll go straight to the horse. See, I, I'm like going, yeah, that's right. This morning, he was like, he's got a project he's thinking about. And he goes, you know who Warren Buffett is? I'm like. Yeah, it's that guy that kind of struggles with money, isn't it? And he goes, he laughed just like that. And he goes, I'm gonna, we'll call him and get him to donate all that. I'm like, yeah. 
We're calling Warren. I appreciate that you, Mr. Gray, because that, that because where my limited ability and minds see that's God. God, God's on a whole nother scale and a whole nother level of thinking and that, and we've got to recalculate at times. We got to recalculate and count the cost. I'm like, whoo, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. I'm calling Warren. We're calling Warren. We're calling the governor. Come on. I appreciate that. Thank you. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter four. And, and let me just kind of lay a little groundwork here because I'm going to read a little bit. But Paul went to Thessalonica to the Thessalonians and started a church there. And this was in 50 AD. Write that down because it's very important. This was in 50 AD. Well, he had to abruptly leave. And so the church that it, the church was really thriving. It was really doing good. And he, but he had to abruptly leave. And so he wanted to find out how they were doing. Come on. The apostle, the apostle prophet, Ephesians 4 tells us the God gave some as gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, right? The apostle can touch every one of these offices. Why? He functions in every one of these offices because the apostle is the one who starts the church. So he becomes the father the spiritual father of the body. And then he starts raising the sons. Of, okay, there's gift of prophecy. Okay, this guy, come on. Then the evangelist, the long one that reaches out, reaching people, building the church. The pastor who's married to the church. Listen, this has been the craziest thing is that we're finding out that a pastor can't lead the church because he's not the apostle and he's not strong enough to lead in disciple. He's not, listen, most pastors don't like confrontation. They don't want to offend nobody. Come on. They want to love everybody. They want to get everybody on the same. And so they start trying to keep everybody's feet. Next thing you know, you got a church split. But an apostle comes in there and he deals with the strife. Come on. And so the apostle had left the building. Let's pick it up in verse 3. He sends Timothy. Let me finish. He sends Timothy. Hey, go check on him. I need you to go check on him. And so Timothy goes and checks on them. He comes back to Paul and he says, they're doing good. <laughs> they're, they're doing good. They're real zealous. They're steadfast. He says, but we've got a couple of problems. He says some sexual immaturity has crept in. 
So I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm sorry, not sexual immaturity, sexual immorality. <laughs> Recalculating. <laughs> Recalculating. <laughs> yeah, he said some sexual immorality is starting to creep in. And then there's this crazy end of the world. Come on, end of day stuff starting to creep in. And they're kind of getting off track. They're focusing on eschatology, on what happens on the end of days. The world's co- Come on, are y'all with me? Now, here we go. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Listen, don't be scared of that word sanctification. The word sanctification is what he's saying is, is he's saying, stay away from. Yes. Abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, come on, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the manner because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us For the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. In other words, he's saying God's called us to stay away from sexual immorality. I looked the word up immorality in the Greek. I mean, I just have to do vocabulary every now and then. Let me tell you the meaning of it, and then I'll tell you how it's said in the Greek. The word immorality in Greek means fornication, adultery, idolatry, come on, and harlotry. Now here's the thing about harlotry. Harlotry is when a woman... And I'm just, let's just throw it out there so get it all where, keep it right. Harlotry is a woman having sex with a man without a covenant. Just paying for your services. Fornication is a woman having sex with a man that she's not married to. Come on. Idolatry is having, uh, is like adultery, but with God. Okay? All these words, here's what they mean. Here's, here's the word in Greek. Porn. <laughs> it's exactly what I said. Wow. Porn. Come on, are y'all hearing me? That's why it's so 
Paul's saying, look, we've got to stay away from that because it leads us from being the beautiful creation that God made us inside and out. God created us for so much more than to have to struggle with all of these emotions and feelings that we get ourselves into. Don't do this like the Gentiles. See, the Gentiles didn't know any better. They were just heathens. It didn't mean anything to them. Do you realize that 50% of teenagers in this country believe that pornography is okay? That living with each other is okay? Having sex before marriage is okay? Come on. But see, the church hasn't been talking about that because, ooh, it's uncomfortable and it's scary, just like we haven't talked about the battle that we face in the spiritual realm. Come on. Then he says, For God, verse 7, has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. In other words, staying away. From all of that. Verse 8. Consequently, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Come on, the Holy Spirit burning on the inside of you. You know it's wrong. We, listen, nobody had to tell me that I was sinning. Which my mama did. <laughs> I'm telling you. Come on. She was just confirming what the Holy Spirit was telling me. Now, verse 9. Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed... You do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all of Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. In other words, come on, you're doing good, but we're going to have to step it up. Paul was saying, yeah, y'all are doing really good. Are. But then, see, that's what a father does. He, he leading your thinking, come on, we're going to excel even more. We're going to stay away. We're going to work on some things here. Come on. To excel still more and to make it your ambition. I love this part. To make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business. And work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you may behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. In other words, have a servant heart so people can see the good deeds that you're doing and they'll know that God's at work. In the midst of everything going on, I can't imagine what will help us stay grounded more than make it our ambition to lead a nice, quiet life, to do good, to have morals. See, our moral compass has gotten broke in this country. To lead a quiet, 
life. Listen, that was 1,972 years ago. In verse 13, he says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him, bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. He's having to deal with those who died because they were thinking the end of days are coming. Man, those people that died are going to miss it. And he's like, hey, don't worry about all that. God's got this. God's got this. Excel even more. Continue to move forward. Continue to stay away from immorality. Continue to be a light. Come on. See, none of what's going on right now has ever caught God off guard. God know, God's got this. See, it, but it's hard to, because we feel like we're, we're being tossed like Paul in that shipwreck. We were being carried by a strong wind. Come on. And sometimes you might feel like you're just being shipwrecked being moved along with the wind and there's nothing you can do about it. Have you ever felt like that? When you pull up to the gas pump and it's $5 a gallon, you feel like, man, there ain't nothing I can do. Well, you can either walk or ride or put the gas in there. You know? I mean, I refuse to pull up to the pump and gripe about it. The first receipt I pulled up when it was over $4 a gallon, I wrote, thank you, Jesus, on it. Thank you, Jesus. Does that make it any easier? It does for me. Because God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills and all taters under it. Have you calculated that cost in? See, cost doesn't matter. What matters is you count it. I'm still going to go minister. I'm still going to go somewhere. I don't care what the gas prices are. If God called me to go there, God's going to make a way for it, right? See, in these times that we live in, and you feel like you're being tossed on the waves and carried by a strong wind, you just got to know who controls the wind. Let me tell you something. God controlled that ship, and then he told Paul, okay, it's fixing to wreck. <laughs> right? Paul said, hey, guys, guess what? I told you to stay on this ship and don't get off because God's given me everybody on this ship. But guess what? Angel came and said, we're about to wreck. And when we wreck, that's when we get off. But everybody will be all right. Right? Come on, if you calculated the wreck in. All right. <laughs> we're, we're running aground, boys. <laughs> you know. See, it's going to be impossible to stay grounded if you don't stay away from immorality that defiles your body because you can't see the beauty that God intended 
for it to be inside and out. See, you have to be grounded in the fact that God accepted you right where you was at and that he has a great plan for you. See, we got to calculate the cost. Keep us from living in our feelings. Because if you get to living in your feelings, you'll, you can get put into shame, regret. You get the, then you're living in emotional scars after emotional scars. Listen, it wrecks every relationship you get in. It'll wreck every relationship. See, never knowing, you, you never know how to date. What the true meaning of love is. I'm telling you, there's a lot of, there's a lot of young adults have never seen a godly, healthy marriage. They've never seen a godly relationship. How to date. How to court. We don't court no more. Come on. We talk or hook up. <laughs> We're hooking up. Oh, it's even different now? I can't even keep up. We're not even hooking up no more. We're something else. I don't know. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden. All who are fatigued. Heavy laden means overburdened with ceremonial, spiritual anxiety. That's what it meant. Spiritual anxiety. Come on, there's a lot of people with spiritual anxiety that they can't light enough candles, say enough prayers, say, you know, I mean, they're, you know, what I got to do to be so good. You ain't got to do nothing. You can't do enough. Listen, you just got to realize that Jesus was enough. Jesus was enough. And, and here's how to stay grounded. Put him first. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And if you'll put me first, my heart will connect with your heart and it'll heal your heart. So when you connect with another person that has a healed heart, you'll recognize it. Because that heart's going to be at peace like your heart and you'll know that. Because what we do is, is we have a relationship after relationship in our heart. This is your heart and it becomes so wrinkled and crinkled after every time it's broke. And then we try to pull it back all together again. And then we hand our next hookup a crinkled up, broken, and we're, okay, we're going to build a relationship on that right there. Or expect them to fix it. And the next thing you know, y'all are broken and at odds. Because we didn't come to him first. And learn and recalculate and count the cost. What is it going to take to have a healthy relationship? And so it pushes us, come on, 
It pushes us to either the bottle. It pushes us to either drugs or it pushes us to even the opposite sex or it pushes us. Come on, we're looking. We're trying to fulfill. I mean, we're trying to make this good again. But only he can. He says, come to me first and let me be the balance of your relationship. Let me be the balance. Come on. Have we calculated that cost in? See, it's the key to staying grounded in life and relationship. Him first, knowing Him, recognizing Jesus in the one that God's bringing to you. Come on. What you're going to see is a servant's heart. Taylor talked about a crisis of selfishness that we're in. See, me and Wendy, I, I wasn't looking for a soulmate. World to tell you, you need a soulmate. You ain't going to get a soulmate till you find your helpmate. When you find your helpmate, See, God made helpmates that become soulmates. When you find somebody that y'all are both serving and bouncing off, you become one. And then now where one could put a thousand a flight, two can put 10,000 a flight. Listen, that's multiplication. That's what God's after. That's his mindset is I'm trying to make two hearts one and I can't do that till you see mine first. And then when you get God's heart involved, then helpmates become soulmates and they put 10,000 to flight. Oh man, come on. Somebody should, somebody should have just old tent revivaled it and run around and throwed a hanky or something. Mark 10, 43 says, but it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. See, Jesus didn't even come to be served. He came to serve. Look in Jeremiah 29 and I'll, I'll close. And here's the thing about Jeremiah 29. Everybody can quote 29 11. Everybody. Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. Come on. We love, we love that scripture. But we never, we don't think about the scriptures before. Jeremiah 29 starts out where Jeremiah is writing a letter from Jerusalem to the exiles. Remember, for lack of knowledge, my people are destroyed. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
immorality crept in. And the people became unfaithful to God. They were living in the promise. Now they are not living in the promise. They are in exile, living in Babylon. And they're in Babylon. And Jeremiah writes them a letter. And here's what he says. Verse 5, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Look what God says. He says, you multiply there and don't you decrease. And seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you and do not listen to the dreams which they dream for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring it to bring you back to this place. There was some guys who were just wanting to tell the people, listen, God, we're not going to be here long. Yeah, we just come in here. The Messiah is going to come. We're going to be. Come on. It's just like, man, Jesus is coming back. We're in the last days. It wasn't Jesus was coming back then. Then it was the Messiah's coming. Come on, are y'all with me? And so they were being hyped up on all this. Jeremiah says, let me tell you something. 70 years is going to pass by. And here's the deal. You're going to still have to occupy and do the mandate of God. He said, you're going to build houses there. And you're going to, listen, you're not going to lose your identity of who you are. You forgot who you were and that got you right here. But let me tell you something. You're going to find your identity. It's in me. And you're going to build houses. You're going to plant gardens. And then when you finally fulfill that, he said, don't you decrease, but we're going to increase. It doesn't matter where we're at or what's going on. God's still God. He said, because my plans for you, verse 11, never change. So it doesn't matter what's going on. And if you want to stay grounded in these tipsy, tobbly, turbly, whatever you want to call it times that we live in, get your eyes off of everybody saying doom and gloom and start planting your house, start, start pl building your house, planting your gardens and multiplying. And by God, y'all got multiplying down. We, we got more kids. We're popping them out two at a time. Even the old guy with no hair's got twins. 
Come on, man. Listen, we're going somewhere. We're still going to build. We're still going to plant. We're going to encourage people. Carrie. Carrie is so chill or pregnant. Can I make that announcement from here? It just, I can't, I don't know, Seth, sometimes. Well, I just want to make sure you wouldn't. The right, you want to make sure the right ball-headed guy, would it? Yeah. Make sure that hit the right ball-headed guy. Oh, man. Come on, this is good. It's good. It was so, man, Wade, y'all, man, y'all be so proud of your brother, Wade. Yesterday, Wade, we went to a men's meeting. And I mean, there was a lot of guys there. I said, Wade, don't get nervous. There's a lot of folk here. He said, thanks. (laughs) And me and Kobe went with him. And, uh, And a guy, and Wade inspired those men. And one of them come up, and I know what he meant, but one of them come, come up to him, and he's like, man, we're, we're going to have to get you to come speak to the youth and put the fear in them. And, and I was talking to another guy, and I heard that out of, my, out of this ear, and I was like, wait, whoa, whoa. I mean, it's like, pump the brakes. No, we ain't putting the fear in them. We want to encourage them, put faith in them. I don't want to put fear in them young men. Listen, I want to put faith in it. You can make it. Listen, we've had enough of guilt and condemnation preaching to try to get people to say a prayer. We need to tell them, hey, God's good. And they'll want to jump on board with us and go with us. I don't want somebody following me that was manipulated to be there because they're the first ones to leave you. I want somebody to get the vision and say, man, the kingdom of God is better than... Young men need to know it's better to serve God than to be out there in the world. Come on. We've got to... Recalculate our thinking. Y'all stand with me. Come on, we were never called to decrease. We decrease personally so that He can increase. But far as occupying and multiplying... That never stops. The mandate for us doing what God's called us to do, it never stops. When Jesus comes back, that is not my concern. That's not your concern. It wasn't even Jesus's concern, y'all. Jesus even said, I don't even know that day, guys. Don't worry about that. Only my father knows. Right? But yet we are concerned about it. 
If Jesus don't know, I don't know why we would want to know. I'm still trying to do what he said about other stuff. <laughs> you know? Listen. I want you following Jesus because you see that he is the only way. And that we here at DCC somehow affected your belief system that said, I believe in this Jesus. I believe in his resurrection power. I believe that nothing's impossible. I believe that I can make it. I believe I can be separated from that past that was pulling me down and I can go forward. Come on. I believe that all my past mistakes can't keep me from doing what God called me to do because He created me to be beautiful inside and out. That's the gospel, the good news, is that we can live a quiet life, that we can still build houses, we can still plant gardens, we can, come on man, I planted some I got an orchard. I got me some peaches, some plums, some oranges. I got peaches, man. They're little, they're just coming on. I'm like, I didn't expect to have peaches this year. Oh my God. I just put them in the ground. My plants are blessed. Come on. Yeah. Wendy's not the green thumb. She likes to, she likes to try to f get them right to flatlining and then... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm out there speaking. Come on, little peach. I can see you in a bowl of bluebell vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Come on, God is that good, y'all. Father, we come to you. Lord, we can't thank you enough that even in these times, you give us peace to stay grounded. Lord, we just come to you and Lord, show us the areas where we need to recalculate, to straighten our way out. Father, we, we love the way you love us. We know we're all a mess. And you're so patient and you're so kind with us till we just, you keep showing us the way. Lord, help us not to rebel from it. But Lord, help us to, that you give us the time to gain knowledge so that we can see the right and correct way to go. Lord, I can't thank you enough for that. Can't thank you enough for that. Lord, I thank you as we begin to come into spring. As we begin to start baptizing people that the old self is gone and a new self, a new recalculated, come on. Father, I thank you that we'll put that old man to death and we'll come alive in Christ. Lord, we thank you and we praise you.
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, y'all have a great day. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.